Uh, I'm honored to be here today. Um, it's, it's actually kind of a Sabbath for me. Um, usually Sunday is a work day um, because I'm, I'm used to feeding the sheep a couple of times on Sundays. And in just about 15 minutes, they will be starting our second service on Sunday morning. So I'm used to preaching at a 930 service and an 11 o'clock service. And on top of that, we're a portable church in, in Newberry. We meet at the middle school. And so it's set up and tear down every week. And so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here because I'm actually getting to rest a little bit. It was, it was worth the drive over this morning just to be able to rest. But I have known uh, Kyle and Taryn for, for a long time. I knew them when they were teenagers before they knew each other. And um, they actually met and, um, and were attending youth camps that I was um, working with Kyle's dad at. Uh, we were both on the same board committee, uh, Mike Nelson. And, um, and so I've known them for a long time. And it's true, when he was attending Lee University one summer, he spent the summer interning with me. And um, I knew then there was something special about Kyle. And then when they got engaged and, and eventually married, I knew that they were going to have a, a great opportunity in ministry. And it, it excites me to see where Fathom Church is right now and that you're a part of it. Um, it reminds me of some of the early days, almost eight years ago. September will be eight years ago that we planted Destiny Community Church over in Newberry. We say the Gainesville area because it makes us sound bigger, but Newberry's just right outside of Gainesville. It's a little farm town is all it is. And um, we started in a, in a building that we inherited, kind of like this, in a room that wasn't much bigger than this. And um, this brings back a lot of memories um, for some of the, the beginnings of our church. And at two years, we moved across the street into a middle school, and that's when we started setting up and tearing down. So almost six years now, we've been a portable church, but, but the, the light is at the end of the tunnel. Keep praying for us. We're raising money, and we've got 20 acres of land out on a four-lane, and we're eventually going to build out there, and we're almost there. We're getting close, meeting with some architects next week, so help us pray. But, um, but like I said, I'm, I'm usually wore out by this time right, right now already, and I'm trying to get my second win, so I, I might preach for like two hours. You never know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I will not do that to you. Uh, I don't like to hear myself talk that long. Uh, in your chair, or in a chair near you, there is a plate. And so what I want you to do is take that, take that plate, and hopefully there's a pen there with it. If not, there's one close by. And I want you to begin writing down some of the things that are burdensome for your life. Now, I, I know that you came here today and you don't want to think about that, but I want you to fill up your plate with things that are burdensome. Um, and, and it's going to be a wide variety of things. I don't want you to give me all the spiritual answers. I want you to tell me, you know, honestly, one of the things that's burdensome for me, though I love my family and my family's not a burden, sometimes carving out time. Um, I'm also the chaplain for the basketball team in our community, and my son plays on, on the varsity basketball team. And so it's, a, it's, it's burdensome for me to have to carve out time to be at the high school gym and pastor a church on top of it, you know. And so um, my daughter is, is a musician. I'm a musician. And so sometimes it's burdensome for me to have to carve out some time or to try and find time to, to work with her on, on her guitar or keyboard or whatever it is. She's not a burden, but sometimes the time is a burden, if you know what I mean. I want you to write down all kinds of things like that. I want you to write down, you know, mortgage, rent. Um, maybe there's a project at work that you're working on. Just fill that plate up with the things that consume your time, the things that consume your thoughts. Just, just have a full plate. And as I'm speaking, if you want to, feel free to continue writing. And uh, you're not going to offend me. So if something pops into your head, just keep writing it down. 
Um, Sabbath is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. It is. Uh, Eight summers ago, God convicted me and said, you need to teach people how to Shabbat. You, You need to learn how to Shabbat. You need to learn how to Sabbath, Rocky. I was a workaholic. I was working all the time the first two years of my kids' lives. I have twins. They're 16 years old, Caleb and Kendall. Um, And the first two years of their lives, I I hardly remember their lives. I I don't remember their first words. I don't remember them walking for the first time. I was constantly working. But I was working for the kingdom, you know, and that was my excuse. I'm working for the kingdom of God. And so if anybody can be excused from it, it's me. I was in full-time ministry by that time. But God was convicting my heart and saying, this is not my plan that I have for you. And so when I became a lead pastor, he convicted me and said, you need to now teach people how to Sabbath because it's important. And I'll tell you this, my Sabbath and for my entire staff, our Sabbath is Mondays. We take Mondays off. There's nobody at the office. And I have basically threatened my staff and said, if I see you at the office, we're going to have a conversation because I'm not going to be guilted into feeling like I have to go into the office on Monday whenever you're there. And so we have off on Monday, but we, we work a lot of Saturdays, and obviously Sunday is not a day off for a church staff. And so Mondays, that's our Sabbath day, and it is sacred. It is set aside for us. That is the day that I spend with my God, with my wife, and throughout the summer I get to spend it with my children also. There was once a father... That night after night, this dad would work on his laptop, he'd work on his iPad, and and sometimes even he was answering emails on his smartphone. And night after night, the little boy, his little boy would walk up to him and he would say, Daddy, Daddy, can we play? You know, can we go outside and play catch? Or will you help me ride my bike? And every night... The dad had another excuse. No, I've got to finish this project for work. Or no, I've got to answer some emails. And so night after night, the little boy was just constantly disappointed. And so finally one night, the little boy looked at his mom. He said, Mom, why does daddy always have to bring his work home? What's wrong? The mom looked at the little boy and she said, there's nothing wrong. Just daddy can't get everything finished at the office, so he has to bring it home. So the little boy looked back at his mom and he said, Well, since he can't finish all of his work at his job, then maybe they should make Daddy join a slower group like they do with the kids at school. (laughs) If you're like me, there's just not enough hours in a day. Anybody else will admit to that? There's not enough hours in a day? There's not. I mean, on my ride over here this morning, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I've got so much to get done this week, and, and I've, I've actually got to be in Tampa on, on Tuesday, and I'm thinking, man, I, I just don't have enough time to get everything done. Matter of fact, as soon as I finish this service today, I'm heading back to, to, to the Gainesville area because I've got a mission team meeting because I don't have enough time to get everything done, uh, and we're preparing to go to Guatemala, and so I'm going to be rushing to get back to get everything done. There's just not enough hours in a day. And every July for the past eight years... I have stood before my congregation, and I have taught Sabbath. And one of the things that I tell my people is that during this month, the seventh month of the year, that's not necessarily scriptural. We know that the seventh day is the Sabbath. But the seventh month, we set that aside as our month of Sabbath. And, and I know we have to work. We have obligations. We have you know, responsibilities. And so we just can't quit. We've, we've got to go do that stuff. But here's what I always tell my people during this month. 
Go do what you have to do, only the necessities, and then I want you to trust God that he'll take care of the rest. In other words, don't work any overtime. Now, when I say that, the new people that have joined my church over that past year, they look at me like I have absolutely lost my mind. And here's the reason why. We look at everything in the natural. And God is supernatural. There is not anything that is natural about God. God in his being is all supernatural. We can't fathom it. We can't even comprehend it. God is supernatural. And every principle that God has for our lives is supernatural. It's like giving. Give and it shall be given. But in the natural, we look at it and we think, well, I can't afford to give. And in the supernatural, it's I can't afford not to give, you know. And the same thing happens with Sabbath. And so I look at our people and I say, listen, for this month, go work nine to five or whatever your hours are, and then go home and spend time with the things that matter the most. You know the only thing you can take to heaven with you, right? Relationships. That's the only thing I can take to heaven with me. One of the people I know. The Bible says you'll be known as you are known. And so that's the only thing that I can take to heaven with me. And those are the things that really, really matter in life. My wife, my kids, in that order. I'm stepping on somebody's toes right now. It's your spouse first, and then it's your kids. It's God, spouse, kids, okay? That's the, that's the divine order, and that's the way it should go. And so you, I, I want to go home at a decent hour, and I encourage our church, go home at a decent hour and, and focus on those relationships, focus on the things that matter. And I tell my administrative assistant, her name is Alexis, and I tell Alexis, Listen, throughout this month, um, I do a lot of heavy, heavy counseling. My, my, my uh, counseling schedule, especially on Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's packed from morning till, till the afternoon. And, and that's, that's just the way it is. I don't know why God has designed my ministry that way, but I do a lot of counseling. But I tell her, during the month of July, I want to leave the office at 5 o'clock every day. I don't want to be there afterwards. And Alexis does a pretty good job. Because she tells people when they call, listen, he has a 4 o'clock slot open, but it has to be a one-hour session because at 5 o'clock, Pastor Rocky needs to leave throughout this month. Now, during the rest of the year, uh, we can extend it a little bit, but throughout this one month, he has to leave. She's doing her job. You know where the problem's at, right? It's me. Because during our first week of Sabbath, our eighth year of Sabbath, I failed miserably. On our very first day, the first Tuesday that I was in the office of July, I failed miserably. I didn't leave the office till 6 o'clock. The appointment started at 4 o'clock. And it was after 6 o'clock when I left the office. I'm telling my people, don't work overtime. Don't work overtime. And yet, I'm the one that is not following the rules. At least for one month, that's what we need to do. But I'm not by myself. Because studies show that in the last 20 years in America... Work is up 15% and leisure is down 30%. This means that we're working more and playing less. You know, on Sabbath, you're not allowed to create, right? God ceased from creating on Sabbath. But you know what you can do? You can recreate, recreate. That's what you can do. You can recreate. We're not doing that. The studies show that we are not focusing on that downtime. We're working harder. We're playing less. It's interesting to me. At the 1964 World's Fair in New York City, where more than 51 million people showed up, 
many of those people, they were blown away by all the, the technological displays. And, and immediately, right after the World's Fair, after some of the sociologists saw some of the, the technological advances, um, they, they, they were worried and they began to predict that we were going to spend too much spare time uh, and, and with too much spare time, that's going to be a problem. That's what they thought. With all the technological advances, we're going to have too much spare time, and that's going to be a problem. They were worried that with, with such advances that we would create three-day work weeks and four months of vacation every year. And half a century later, we know that these are moot questions. They, are, they, are, they don't even matter anymore because we are busier than ever. Technological advances have proven to do just the opposite. Rather than save us time, they waste more of our time. Sure, we can multitask better than any generation before us, but we're busier than any generation before us. As human beings, we have tools and devices that help make our lives easier. Our offices can travel with us on our iPads, on our tablets, and our smartphones. We're just busy. Things that were meant to make our lives easier just made us busier. And just a short while ago, I mean, if you look at the history of our nation, we're a young nation, which scares me a little bit. I don't have time to get into all that. But we are an extremely young nation when you look at the empires of the world. Just a few short years ago, just a few decades ago, almost everything in our society stopped one day a week. They had what they call blue laws. Anybody ever heard of blue laws? Three of us in the room. The, the blue laws basically would forbid. It was against the law to open your business. And the only businesses that were open were only the things that were of, of necessity, like a gas station or a grocery store or something like that. And they even had to shut down at a certain time. We put such a value on the day of Sabbath at one, at one time in America. It, it, it was so important to us. But now, we're a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week society. That plate that you hold in your hands represents the cares, the burdens, the time that you spend on those cares and burdens. And as you hold that plate and as you continue to add to it, as, as God prompts your memory and you think of something else you can add to that plate, and we're going to do something with them, them at the end, so just hold on to them. I want to tell you this. God is ready to make your life easier for you. I don't want you to get worried. In Judaism, Sabbath has become extremely legalistic. That's not what today is about. We're taking the legalism out of Sabbath. But I do want to teach the principle behind Sabbath and what Sabbath means for your burdens. And somebody today, I believe you're going to walk out of here with a, a lighter load. I want to go back to the beginning, and, and don't turn there in your Bibles. I'm just going to go kind of quickly through this, and, and in a few moments, we're going to turn to the book of Jeremiah. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Jeremiah. If you're looking it up on your, on your, your iPad or your smartphone or something, just go ahead and go to the book of Jeremiah. But let me start at the beginning. I listened to Pastor Kyle's message from last week. What a great, great intro for this series. There's just a few things that I want to touch on that maybe he even mentioned a little bit, but maybe I can expound on it a little bit more. But Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. 
and called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Picture this. Don't miss out on this important part of history, because this is absolutely amazing. God creates the heavens, and then he creates the earth. He separates light from darkness, and then he simply calls it a day. That's it. Day one is in the books. The first day ever. It's there. It's done. 24-hour span, I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I'm not here to debate that. But the first day is done. On the second day, God creates the atmosphere and separates it from the earth's oceans. On the third day, God pulls back certain areas of water to reveal land and then creates vegetation. On the fourth day, he creates the sun and the moon, the sun to govern the day, the moon to govern the night. And on the fifth day, he creates marine life and the birds of the air. Then on the sixth day, he creates animals to roam the land and to top off his masterpiece. Then he creates humanity. He creates us is what he does. It's been a busy week. By anyone's standards, it was a busy week. God had accomplished much that week. And I get it. I know now he's the creator of the universe. But still, that's a busy week for anybody. For six days, God works diligently. He works hard. And he creates what we know as the heavens and the earth. But we know that God never gets tired. Psalm 121, verses 3 and 4, it says, He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You go on in Isaiah 40 and 28, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. But here's what's amazing to me. Don't miss this. Because what God does next is unprecedented. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. It's amazing. When you think about what happens... That at that moment in time, God just ceases from working. Not because he has to, but because he wants to. And from that moment on, he has invited us to participate in a Sabbath rest for him, or with him. Exodus 16 and 29 says, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath is a gift from God to you. Jesus reminded us that the Sabbath was not, or man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. It's a gift from God to our lives. And so with all of that, with all that, listen to this. There's one phrase that I used when I first started that I think in my own theology and, and, and the way that I, I kind of figure things out, I'm afraid it may offend God. I know there's a lot of grace there, and I'm, I'm so glad that, that God offers grace with some of my dumb comments that I make in life. But there's one phrase that everybody in this room has used. There's not enough hours in a day. And I just wonder, does that phrase offend God? I mean, he designed it. 
He's the one that said your days are going to be, you know, 24 hours, give or take a few minutes here and there. We'll fix it along the way in the calendar. But he's the one that figured that out. He's the one that spun the worlds into existence. He's the one that decided when the sun would, would rise and when it would set and, and rise again. And so are we suggesting that the creator got it wrong when he designed the 24-hour structure that we complain about when we say there's not enough hours in a day? You see, it's not that we don't have enough hours. It's just that we allow uh, the things and the burdens in our lives to consume those hours that we do have. Society has taught us to brag on the full plate. I was telling somebody the other day, I'm, I'm not that this matters, it doesn't mean anything, but I'm what they refer to as a regional bishop. Uh, nobody calls me a bishop or anything like that. It's, it's, it's not, I don't wear you know, you know big hat and sit with the Pope and things like that. But I'm what they call to as a regional bishop. There's 17 churches that I oversee. And there's sometimes when my plate gets full, because on my plate it even says right here, regional bishop duties. But sometimes when my plate gets full, I become prideful of it. It's almost like I want to guard it and I want to make sure it stays full. Because it makes me feel important. Our church owns a, a retail coffee shop and all the profit goes to the mission field. And, and, and so the other day I was walking out of our coffee shop getting ready to go to the office. And a gentleman stopped me. And he said, uh, he said well, what are you doing later today? And I knew what it was. It was kind of a loaded question of what do pastors do all day? And I looked back at him and I said, oh. I've got to drive over to Stark. There's a, a church that's on my, my region and that I'm a bishop over, and I've got to go meet with the pastor. And, and I started in on this whole thing. This guy could care less about my duties and responsibilities. But my pride, was, I was proud of my full plate. Society has taught us to become proud of how busy we are. We don't have enough time. There's not enough hours in a day. And, and, and society says, yeah, put that on the mantle. Let's celebrate that. But what if, just imagine this with me. What if there was a paradigm shift? And we actually begin to celebrate the people that get it right. The people that are not too busy. That's crazy, isn't it? That's, that's ludicrous. Let's just pray and go home. Father, think about this. In our society, we don't celebrate the things that really matter. We celebrate those who are too busy. What if we shifted this thing and we just said, you know what? Let's focus on the father that has enough time for his kids. Let's focus on the mother that has enough time for her spouse. Let's focus on kids that are too over-involved in sports that they don't have time for the things that God wants for their lives. And listen, my kids are involved. My, my daughter doesn't. She's a musician. But my, my son is very involved in sports. I was so proud of him recently. They had a summer ball tournament. He's playing varsity basketball. And with me being the chaplain of the basketball team, I'd already told the coach, Coach, if this tournament, if we win and we go into Sunday, you know that, that Caleb and I will not be here until after church on Sunday. You know that, right? And the coach looked at me and says, he said, Pastor, I understand. I, I get it. I didn't know how I was going to tell my son. 16, almost 17 years old. This is important for his development in varsity basketball. I looked at him on the ride home from the tournament Saturday evening, and I said, Son, we need to talk. And he looked at me and said, 
I know, Dad. I'm not planning on playing until tomorrow afternoon. They'll play the first game without me. I tell you what, that's something I want to celebrate right there. Because he got it right. Now listen, I know we miss Sundays for very... You miss Sunday. I don't get to miss very many Sundays. But I know that there's certain things that we can miss Sundays. It's not about legalism at all. At all. But it is about the things that matter the most. And what if we just started celebrating those people that get it right? What if we actually took control of our schedules and not let our schedules control us? That's what Sabbath is about. So give me just a few moments here to hit some key points, and then we're going to get done with this thing. Um, just some, some basic things that I have to teach every year when, whenever uh, we, we start our Sabbath series. The first one is this. God taught humanity through his example to work six days and then the rest on the seventh day, not because God needed rest, but because he knew that we needed rest. You know, in most versions of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2 says that on the seventh day, God rested. That's what almost all the versions say. It says it in the New International Version. It says it in the King James Version, in the Living Translation, in the English Standard Version. It says it in the New American Standard Version. But in the God's Word Translation, I think it says it the best. Because here's how it, it, it interprets chapter 2, verse 2 of Genesis. On the seventh day, he stopped the work he had been doing. It wasn't that God needed rest. He chose not to work he didn't go to sleep. He wasn't too tired to continue. He simply stopped creating. Not because he was tired, but because he created us. He's our designer and he knows our limitations and he knows that we would need, he knew that we would need a day of rest. My body, I can go and go and go. And this used to happen all the time. The last eight years, it doesn't happen near as much. But during certain seasons, when my life gets really busy. God has designed my body in a way to where it will start shutting down on me. It will start with just a sniffle. And then all of a sudden, I've got a chest cold. And before you know it, I've, it's like, it, it feels like the flu all over me. And my wife will tell you, I'm done for about a week. And it, happened, it would happen about once a year. Whenever I started practicing Sabbath in my life and taking one day and saying, you know what? I'm going to do what God commanded me to do. All of that stuff began to cease in my life. He created me. He knew that I needed rest. Another key point to Sabbath is this. Out of all the Ten Commandments, whether you read them in Exodus or you can read them again in Deuteronomy, but I challenge you, go and read them. Out of all of the Ten Commandments, God spends more time and more explanation and more words on the Fourth Commandment, the Sabbath Commandment, than any other commandment. I challenge you, go read it. By far, He uses more words to talk about the Sabbath Commandment. Stressing it to us, saying this is so important. You know, some of the other commandments deal with some problems in society. You know, we would never condone murder. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill. It's one of the Ten Commandments. You know, if I, if I go into my neighbor's house and I steal their flat screen TV that's hanging on their wall, I'm probably going to go to jail or at least, you know, maybe get some probation out of it. You know, that we, we frown upon that. We, we certainly frown upon sleeping with somebody else's wife. I mean, that's adultery. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And as God created the thou shalt not, he included keeping the Sabbath holy as one of those commandments. And out of all of the Ten Commandments, the easiest one to break is the Sabbath commandment. 
It wasn't, as I told you earlier. One time in our society, it was frowned upon. But today, it's so easy. On my way here this morning, just observing up and down this road, I actually passed the church and went down just to see what was down past the church here. And I'm looking, and there's people out jogging and running and people turning into the stores already. I mean, it's at one time, that was frowned upon in our society, but now we've made it so easy to break the Sabbath commandment. But Sabbath breaking just didn't start in the business of the 21st century. It goes back as, as far back as 600 B.C. God's people, they were easily distracted, and they would place Sabbath on the back burner. Even though it was part of Judaism, it was part of their lives, God's commanded day of rest. You could see long lines of animals, mules, donkeys, camels. They were paraded in and out of Jerusalem, and they were carrying merchandise for commercial purposes. Hordes of buyers and sellers. They were hoarding their heavily burdened beasts, and they came and went in total, disregards of, uh, 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 total disregard of God's commandment. Those that lived in the city, they would leave their homes and they would go shopping and they would come home carrying their big burdens on their backs, their crafts and goods that they picked up, food. Those that lived outside the city, they would bring their merchandise to sell into the city and so you would see them walking in or dragging their animals carrying their goods. And all of God's people, all of his children were carrying these heavy burdens on the Lord's Sabbath. And we're going to read from Jeremiah 17. I promise you, we're almost done. Just stay with me. The prophet Jeremiah, he watches this scene and his heart becomes heavy. Now listen to this. Don't miss it. His heart becomes heavy. And God says, I want you to talk to these people. I want you to go to the gate. And he says, I want you to share with them these words. Not just that gate. I want you to go to all of the gates of the city. And here's what I want you to tell them. And so I'm going to read Jeremiah 17, verses 19 through 27. This is what the Lord said to me. Go and stand at the gate of the people through which the kings of Judah go in and out. Stand also at all the other gates of Jerusalem. Say to them, here's what he says. Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and all people of Judah and everyone living in Jerusalem who come through these gates. This is what the Lord says. Be careful not to carry a load on the Sabbath day. I want you to look at somebody next to you right now. And if nobody's sitting, say it back to me. I need to hear it. Look at somebody and say, be careful not to carry a load on the Sabbath. Just tell them that. Thank you. I needed that. I need to be reminded of that. Be careful not to carry a load on the Sabbath. This is what God is telling Jeremiah the prophet to tell to these people as they're carrying loads in and out of Jerusalem. Be careful not to carry a load on the Sabbath day or bring it through the gates of Jerusalem. Do not bring a load out of your houses or do any work on the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your forefathers. Yet they did not listen or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and would not listen or respond to discipline. In other words, they were set in their ways. Society had created who they were, and they're not changing. Verse 24, but if you are careful to obey me, now listen to this. Here's the promise of it. How many of you believe God's word does not lie. Amen? Here's the promise of it. But if you are careful to obey me, declares the Lord, and bring no load through the gates of the city on the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy by not doing any work on it, then kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gates of this city, 
with their officials. They and their officials will come riding in chariots and on horses, accompanied by the men of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, and the city will be inhabited forever. In other words, there's going to be success in this city forever as long as you obey the Sabbath commandment. Verse 26. People will come from the towns of Judah and the villages around Jerusalem, from the territory of Benjamin and the western foothills, from the, from the hill country and the Negev, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings, incense, and thank offerings to the house of the Lord. Listen, that sounds like work to me. Bringing offerings. And, 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 and listen to what it says there. I mean, they're, they're, they're coming in and, and uh, making sacrifices, grain offerings, incense, thank offerings to the house of the Lord. This just hit. I've read this so many times over the past eight years. It just hit me last Sunday. Last Sunday, I'm standing there reading this, and, and I thought to myself, I get it. This is serving in the Lord's house on Sunday. It's not a burden. It's a get-to, not a have-to. You see, they tried their best to make it so legalistic. You know, you can't even, if, if, if you are an Orthodox Jew, you can't even walk across that grass out there on the other side of the parking lot because if you do, you are bending the grass and it's considered work. You can't do it. I think I heard, I heard Pastor Kyle mention you can't look in a mirror on the Sabbath. You know, there's all of these crazy, crazy rules and regulations and so legalistic. And so he says right here, he says, listen, when, when, when you observe Sabbath, it's perfectly fine for you to come to the temple. It's perfectly fine for you to come to God's house and to make sacrifices and to serve in the kingdom of God because that's not work. That's a get-to, not a have-to. But I want you to listen to this, verse 27. But if you do not obey me to keep the Sabbath day holy by not carrying any load as you come through the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem that will consume her fortresses. And that's the verse that scares me. It's because I see that verse played out in people's lives every day. I told you, I do a lot of counseling. And most of the time, I don't care if it's adultery, I don't care if it's a couple fighting over their finances, Maybe it's a poor relationship with, with their friends or with their family. Whatever it is, it all goes back to priorities. And somewhere along the way, they missed it. They got it wrong. And I'm seeing this unquenchable fire that is destroying their lives. On a daily basis, I get to see this, and it's not fun. Here's what I believe God is saying to us today. I believe he says that if we will obey his commands and stop carrying the burdens, our, our burdens on the Sabbath day, on the Lord's day, you will not be consumed by them. And if we don't, we will be consumed by them. That we're going to spend all of our time worrying about our pain, our stress, our sorrow. And in the end, we will be destroyed because you are continuing to carry your burden. On your plate, hold your plate in your hand. On your plate, you listed all that consumes your time. And, and, and some of those things, they are burdensome. You know, we don't want to admit it, but, but they are because it's hard to carve out time for certain things. And for some of these things, we're constantly carrying that burden around because we're worried about rent. We're worried about how we're going to make that car payment or, or whatever it is. We're worried about that project that we have at school or that project that we have at work, working overtime. These are the burdens right here that he's talking about. 
And it's about time that we learn to give these things to God. Our flesh says that we must carry the load, that we must work, and that we must struggle. But the prophet Jeremiah shouts out through hundreds of years, and he speaks into our lives, and he says, do not carry your burden on the Sabbath. This is important. And if somebody wants to start playing real lightly behind me or something, it it usually helps me quit. So... Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, he said these words, Come to me, all you who are burdened, weary, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, listen to this word, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Psalm 55 and 22 commands us, listen to what it says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. I went through the scriptures, and I've realized that God does amazing things on the Sabbath. God is always working on the Sabbath. He is. When he commanded us to take the Sabbath and to keep it holy and remember that day, God said, I'm going to work overtime. Because at that moment, when you start observing Sabbath, God starts doing the things you can't do. Here's what I figured out in my own life. I can go six days putting my hand to the plow and God accomplishes more in my one day off than what I've tried to do the entire six days prior. God is always restoring on the Sabbath day. In Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4, Jesus cast out demons on the Sabbath. In Luke chapter 14, he heals a man of edema on the Sabbath. In John chapter 19, he cures blindness on the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 2, he feeds the hungry on the Sabbath. In Matthew chapter 12, he heals a paralyzed man on the Sabbath. And in Mark chapter 1, he breaks a fever in in Peter's mother-in-law. You see, this is not a surprise because Sabbath is about healing and restoration for those who are in the right place at the right time for the blessing. Because on the Sabbath, we're not allowed to carry our burdens anymore. And he says, give them to me. A few weeks ago, I was, I, I love to work in my yards. I, I love, I love, I mean, I have really thick grass and I work hard at it. And, 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 I, and I, you know, I was out the other day and I had this trimmer in my hands and it's a pretty heavy duty trimmer. And I was trimming the bushes that when we first built our house, they were about this tall. And now they're, they're up above my waist. And, and I was trimming them to where they're, you know, about halfway across the windows, the big windows that we have. And I'm going across the front of our house with this trimmer in my hand, and my arms start getting tired. Because this thing's heavy duty, I'm telling you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best, and my arms are getting tired. And so I, I step back, and what I noticed was that over on this end, I started right above my waist. But what happened, my arms started getting tired. And as I came down, you could actually see it in my bushes. There was a slant. You could see where, how I got tired and how it progressed. And so I stepped back for a minute. I let my arms recover. Picked it back up and started again. And then I stepped back. Rested for a moment. Started again. It took me a little bit longer. But man, they look so much better. That's what Sabbath is. Sabbath is that moment that we get that we don't have to carry the burden anymore. That's really... What the spirit of Sabbath shouts out to us, it's not just about Sunday or whatever day of week it is that you worship. That's not what Sabbath is about. Sabbath says, learn to trust your God and give him the burden and don't carry it on the Sabbath. 
Let me show you how this works for your life. You know what happens. You come to church on Sunday, and if you get the, the Sabbath mindset, you lay down all the burdens. On Monday, you pick up one of those burdens and you start carrying it, but it's not a heavy load. On Tuesday, you gather up a few more burdens. On Wednesday, you got your arms full. On Thursday, you're hunched over a little bit. By the time Friday comes around, you can barely walk. For me, it's probably because I play basketball with guys much younger than me on Thursday night. So on Friday morning, I'm literally walking like this. But, but on Saturday, man, we just can't even hardly move because the burden and the weight is so, so intensified in our lives. And he says this, on Sunday, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me, and I want you to take your burdens, and I want you to hold them up. I was telling Kyle what I was going to do today and the direction I was going. And I said, I want people to lay down their burdens. It's Sunday. It's Sabbath. We're not to walk out of this room carrying the same burdens that you walked into this room with. You know that, right? Today is the Lord's day. Don't carry a load on the Sabbath. So you may have walked in here carrying all those cares and concerns, but you don't have to walk out of here. Trust me, during this week, you're going to pick up a few more burdens. I I promise you. And as I was telling Kyle about the direction I wanted to go with this to make sure it would fit within the the scheme of this series, he told me about these crosses right here. And I thought, that's what we need. That's perfect. And so I'm going to lead the way. As the band just begins to lead you, I, I want you to take your burdens and I just want you to lay them at the foot of the cross because they're not yours anymore. They're his. And I promise you, he was designed to carry them a whole lot better than you were. That's why he says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. You're not made to carry them. So I'm going to pray. And at the end of this prayer, just how you feel led, come lay your burdens at the foot of this cross and then go back to your seat or wherever you want to end up and just worship for just a moment because we have a reason to worship that we don't have to carry these burdens out of this room. So raise your burdens up to heaven. Father, These are not my burdens anymore. Today, I hand these over to you, and I know that in my own weakness and humanity, there's going to be moments when I pick them up again. But God, I thank you that on a weekly basis, you give me the opportunity to walk in carrying my burden on the Sabbath, and you command me not to, and I get to lay it at the foot of the cross on a weekly basis. God, it's not just today. Sabbath can be a mindset that we walk out of this room with and we can learn to trust you like we have never trusted you before because that's all you want out of us. You want our trust in every area of our lives. And so whether it be financially or maybe with our relationships, Lord, maybe it's something spiritually that's going on inside of us, mentally, Lord, even if it's physically, Lord, I believe that today we can lay these burdens down. You will take them from us and we can walk out of this room free 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 and so Lord as these faithful people who have took time out of their schedule to observe Sabbath and do what you've commanded Lord as they bring their burdens to you I pray that you'll bring deliverance to them and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ amen
Would you bring your burdens and let's lay them at the foot of the cross as we worship the Lord.